2: And John McMullen
1: uh,
2: Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365.
3: It is a football Friday. There won't be any football played, but it'll be talked about for the next two hours right here. I'm Bird 365 with your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jordy McDonald. Uh, And we've got uh, almost two hours to shoot the breeze about the birds and a lot of things in the world of football. But I got to start here, Johnny Mac. Um, Kind of a weird thing. About three or four o'clock in the morning, this past morning i realized i woke up i was having a dream that aaron Rodgers had signed with the new york jets and i didn't know where this freaking dream was coming from but it was almost so real that i had to turn on the tv in my bedroom to see if i could get a re-air of sports center because i figured it'd be the top story or be on the crawl or whatever else and sure enough i we just punched up our uh, Log in to do today's show, and the first commenter on our screener says, "Did the Jets acquire an Aaron Rodgers yet?" Eagles. Maybe he had the same
4: dream. Well, it's going to happen, so that's probably where it came from. It's not exactly off the wall, Um,
3: but it was real. He was already a Jet in my dream, and it hasn't officially happened yet. But yeah, there are a lot of signs pointing to it happening, including did you see the thing from uh, Sauce Gardner yesterday?
4: Yeah. I don't know how much uh, sauce is involved
3: with uh, you. You don't think personnel. the Jets are whispering in his ear what they're planning on doing. And uh, he's tied in and he's sure as hell he's a confident young man. Yeah. When he talks yes. with the way um, he plays.
4: I'm not sure Joe Douglas is uh, running things by him, but and, you know, fighting you in so.
3: sauce. You're not sure. But he, yes, said, for those of you who don't know, he did say, uh, don't be surprised when we get Aaron Rodgers if it's not a package deal, Meaning they're going to bring a whole bunch of his Green Bay cohorts along. Well, really. I'm not sure
4: that part of it's good, because if you're bringing Randall Cobb over and 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 Robert Tunyon, uh, you know, two of Rogers' uh, favorites, probably not a good thing. I don't know David Bakhtiari uh, is he a free agent? I don't know. He's really so, good player, yeah. but he's not healthy. He's never he hasn't been healthy in like two seasons. But you know, I guess that's that's worth a flyer. If the who's the Jets left tackle? Um, well, big guy who's
3: always hurt there. First round. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah. That's now. a tough decision. Kai there. Beckton. Yeah, uh, he, he Beckton. looks good sitting on the sidelines. I yeah, got to tell you, he does Kai looks like a football player. He's almost never in a football uniform, but he looks like a football player. You got well that least...
4: uh, you know that's sort of the comment. You want the young guys always hurt or the old guys always hurt? But the Just, old guys done
3: it so really 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 weird uh, yeah. i woke up at four o'clock and i'm looking for the damn remote control in the bed let me get sports center on here maybe maybe it happened. maybe we're talking about it on monday no but we're here to talk about the eagles more than anything else and there was some quote-unquote breaking news yesterday john do you want to talk the eagles roster move or the eagles coaching move first
4: I guess coaching, uh, because it's, you know, I think people were excited that it wasn't Matt Patricia as the new linebackers coach. I think, you know, for whatever reason, well, we know why, but you know, I, you got an unknown, you know, former, uh, uh, Temple defensive coordinator only for one season and Temple wasn't very good last year. He's never been a pro coach before. Um, and we'll see. We'll see how it works out. He's got some history with some of the Eagles players, not the meaningful ones. Um, uh, Kyron Johnson, he was out in Kansas with with Kyron. He was out in Colorado with Davion Taylor. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he's got more experience than Nick Rollis and everyone seemed to like Nick. So you can True. look at it, but kind of an unknown. Uh, Been coaching on a
3: major college level for close to a decade now, so it's not like he's coming in wet behind the ears, but as you correctly pointed out, zero NFL head coaching ability, but the Eagles believe they can develop a guy like this, Uh, but they, they do now have serious Temple ties since they took the Temple defensive coordinator and former Temple Masters graduate as their new defensive coordinator. Uh, I guess that's where uh, you go to when you're trying to build a program. You want to steal from the Temple Owls. You want to dip in to that Temple Owl gridiron pool. Matt Rule did get a job this offseason, right? He's going to be like Nebraska's new head coach. He's yeah, not yeah,
4: okay, yeah, maybe. Um, and, you know, people have kind of speculated that that, well, Sean, you know, was out of Temple long before um, – uh, DJ Elliott got there, so you know I don't I don't know if there's any other than you know Temple Pride. I don't I don't know if there's any connection there. Um, hey, it's not Matt Patricia, so everybody's happy. That's that's about all you can say. Now it, it'll be interesting. He's been a defensive coordinator at the college level for a pretty significant period over you know a number of different schools. But he's also kept his foot. He he played linebacker at Wyoming. He's kept his foot. He also, you know, at the college level, you got to do two things really. You got to be the coordinator, plus you got to coach a position. So he's always uh, kept the linebackers. Um, so he's got a lot of experience, and we'll see who he's working with. I mean, number one, <clears throat> I would think the first part of that job is get Kobe Dean up and running. Get N'Kobe Dean up and running, um,
3: and we'll see. We'll see if he can do it. The one thing that I found interesting, he's a young guy, relatively young guy, even though inexperienced on the NFL level, had some success, uh, certainly be willing to give him a chance. But the thing that jumped out at me that surprised me was he's like a known 3-4 guy that they bent over backwards to um, keep certain tenants in place of this defense even with the changing and the coaching staff that's been there with the Fangio philosophy, if I can use that phrase, uh, the Fangio philosophy is not three, four. Uh, it's, it's more five, two than it is three, four. And the Eagles this past year had an outside linebackers coach and an inside linebackers coach. They had an edge coach, which yeah, if you want to consider Hassan Redick a linebacker, I know that always gets John fired. Oh. He's not a friggin' line. Stop calling him a linebacker. Well, you know,
4: you know why I say that, Jody, because and I blame the NFL. And if I become NFL commissioner, nobody's called me yet, but if I become NFL commissioner, I'm going to make people label things correctly. Because I really do think it, it 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 fails to advance the talk and I think people, you know, how many times you hear 4-3-3-4-0? 4 3 goes to 3, four, zero, four, three, guys, a three Nobody plays that in the NFL today.
3: Nobody,
4: there's never three linebackers on the stinking field. I, 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 in, and, and, and lineback- they don't...
3: There, there aren't even, and in a three four, you would be stating there are four linebackers on the field, and you're right, yeah. there aren't even three anymore. It's two, it's yeah. two linebackers on almost every single play.
4: It's just so frustrating, and then you know, when you have an edge rusher like us, it's funny because. And it and it hurts from a contract standpoint as well. You have these kinds, the Travis Kelseys of the world, who's really more of a receiver than a tight end. So when you talk, start talking contracts, well, receivers get paid more than tight ends. Well, Travis Kelsey's one of the best receivers in football. Whatever you want to label him as, he's one of the best receivers in football. He's going to the Hall of Fame because of his receiving ability, but you know. It, it, they it, the label is not it's incorrect or at least it's not full. And when you talk about same thing with with Hassan Reddick, well, you better damn well be labeled a defensive end uh, over um, uh, or 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 an outside or an edge rusher or an outside linebacker than an all ball linebacker because one gets paid and one doesn't. So it hurts on so many levels and. They just won't stop it, and it. What really gets me, you got me going, you got me grinding my gears. What really gets me is when media people do. It. I'm like, come on, you know better than that. Don't call freaking Hassan Redick a linebacker. Stop it. Right. It just creates disinformation, misinformation.
3: It's you do. You get more uh, absolutely worked up about this than me. I think it's kind of well. You maybe I assume incorrectly that people understand that linebacker edge, right. You just know what Hassan Reddick is and how it's labeled becomes rather irrelevant. But if, if you do get put off. Uh, by that,
4: well, like the it. reason why, So Jared, here's my you, question to you. Uh, do you
3: think DJ Elliott will be coaching Hassan Reddick?
4: No. Jeremiah Either Washburn is still here. Um, you know, uh, he's going to be the off-ball linebacker coach. So he's the TJ Nkobe Kaiser White coach. Uh, Jeremiah Washburn's still here. Now they haven't fully announced their coaching staff, but there's no evidence he's going to be fired. So uh, he's been here over multiple coaching staffs. So uh, he did a tremendous job. I I wouldn't imagine they're uh, they're getting rid of him for that. So. No, would be my my quick answer. So
3: that's why uh, him being a 3-4 linebacker devotee during his college defensive coordinator, Dave's doesn't really seem to fit with what he's going to be asked to do here for the Eagles, but if they like the, the guy, they think he's a good coach, think he's a good motivator, think he works well with players. If when they had the meeting, Sirianni explained and, and probably Desai sat in on a meeting, too. This is what we want our defense to look like. This is what I'm going to ask you to do with your linebacker. He probably said, OK, works for me. And that's why he got the gig, because it became a, no, no, here are my ways of running it. No, no, you're the linebacker's coach. You're, you're not coming in to uh, step on the new defensive coordinator's toes. I just thought that was the most interesting aspect of the new hire that the type of defenses he have been playing uh, don't exactly line up with what the Eagles did last year and what we assume they're going to do uh, going forward uh, next year under their new D.C. All right. And there was a release of player yesterday. And I got to tell you, John, I was surprised by it. Am I like, oh, my God, what are the Eagles thinking? Of course not, because Brett Todd, much like Mekhi M- 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 Beckton. Uh, may look like a football player, but you don't see him in a football uniform often enough on the pup list all year long. Is that injury issues since he became an Eagle, they decided to sever ties and part ways with him yesterday. Um, you, you, you've got a better read on this than me because you're down there, you're around the coaches. You see these guys. I always thought that they liked Tot and that they t- thought of Tot as a worthwhile project that, he could, uh, when he got healthy enough, get on the field and actually potentially contribute to the Eagles. Timing of this, why do you think it came down now? Uh, new new
4: league year. Uh, new league year, I lost you a little bit. I don't know if it's me or you, Jody, but I, I think you asked about the timing. Um, yep. And I would say, you know, the new league year starts. It's, uh, you know it's a million bucks, a little bit over a million dollars. You're talking about a guy. And, and I always said about Brett, it's like, all right, let me talk to the doctors, which I'm not allowed to. Because they did like at one point. They were very upset um, when they lost him. Remember, he was uh, an army uh, player in college. Um, it was a big deal at the time when the Trump administration sort of changed the rule and allowed him to get, go uh, play professional football. And the Eagles were really excited. They knew he was a project. One, he was in the Army, lost weight to do his job there, and he needed to gain some of that weight back, so they knew he was going to be somewhat of a project. And all of a sudden, they waive him. They plan to get him on the practice squad as that happens. Arizona plucked him off waivers, and they had him for a year. And the Eagles went and got him back. So they did like him. He's got tremendous versatility too. He's a natural tackle, played left tackle, played right. He got hurt in week 18 of 2021, if you remember, playing center. You know, Jason Kelsey took the first snap for the meaningless week 18 game to keep his streak alive. And then Brett Toth went in and played the whole game at center until he got hurt towards ACL. And – wasn't able to make it back. So to me, it was always about, you know, how healthy he is. And even that, uh, a, a million one, whatever he was supposed to make this coming up season, you know, if you're going to be a deep reserve, you know, they're probably trying to save a couple bucks. They, they restructured Jake Elliott this morning, you know, who, who makes a little bit, uh, you know, only makes a little bit in the large scheme of things, but every, every dollar counts when you're up against it. and, It's not in the plans, and that injury really hurt Brett Toth. It really
3: did. And we've seen it before with the Eagles. With Toth himself, becomes an ex-Eagle, then comes back and becomes an Eagle again, maybe at a future date, maybe at a lesser dollar figure. I don't know if they didn't like his work ethic trying to get back on the field this year, if that had anything to do with it. Your speculation on uh, it's a money thing, and nothing more than that is probably more on point uh, but we may not have seen the uh, last of breath talk, but we have for now, which did come as a little bit of a surprise. You make it, You mentioned the Jake Elliott uh, renegotiation. Just one other note, and then we're going to get our, our first guest up here. A new guy we haven't had, Brian Cameron, um, the Eagles uh, editor for uh, PhillySportsNetwork.com. Um, looking forward to talking to him. The whole Matt Patricia isn't going to be the Eagles linebacker coach thing. Darius Slay is not going anywhere. I know people have tried to put two and two together and come up with five that, you know, they could trade Darius Slay and then they could re-sign James Bradbury if they wanted to move away from Slay, who had a less than stellar second half of the year. He's much better in the first half than he was in the second half. He is a guy who likes to stir the pot and, That might not be the Eagles' favorite part of Darius Slay's game. Um, He's not going anywhere. He's got a $21 million dead cap hit if they trade him or cut him. It is a much more likely proposition that Darius Slay is going to get a contract extension because he's got a big cap hit this year on the final year of its deal. They're going to want to try and reduce that, which is going to equate to an extension. Not a release, not a trade. I know people have uh, attempted to, uh, probably who don't understand the salary cap well enough, come up with a scenario where Darius Slade becomes an ex-Eagle. That's not happening, Johnny Mac. Darius Slade's going to be here this year.
4: No, he's going to be here. And I, you know, Darius is like, I, I like to compare Darius and CJ because they're both, you know, in the conversation. Brand, You can throw Brandon Graham in there uh, as well. <clears throat> Because they both have these huge personalities, all three of them. Um, And, you know, but there's a difference with Brandon and and Slay as well. They're leaders. I mean, they're leaders, they're team captains. You know, I remember when Devin Allen got here, as you know, and he was still doing the track stuff in the offseason. And one of the Eagles staff told me, like, it was Slay who got the team together. They barely knew Devin Allen at the time. Just got there. Hadn't even been doing anything because he he had been working on his track career. Didn't really get here till training camp. And he took them all down to watch him at the Penn relays just to um just to get him involved with the team and and, and embrace him as in, in as part of the team. And then you, you fast forward to training camp and, and Slay was really excited. You know, the players vote on that team captain thing. It's not it, it, it's not the coaching staff at times, Doug, Doug did it one year, the pandemic year, just named captains. Uh, but Nick, since he's gotten here, it's the players who vote for the captains and they voted for Slay as a captain. And then the set, the second part is I real, and this is like AJ Brown as well, as good as, you know, I'm not Groats when it comes to Bradbury, right? I mean, I think he's a tremendous, tremendous player, but there is a difference Between being the cornerback one and the cornerback two, and Slay is one of the best cornerbacks in football. Slay is one of the few legitimate number one cornerbacks. I always like it to say, I always like to say they're like starting pitchers in baseball. Well, you got to have not 30 number ones, but there aren't 30 number ones. There are legit number ones, and there are ones that are number ones because they have to be defined, they're the best pitcher on that particular team um, slay is a legit cornerback number one. And then when Bradbury fits in as the second corner, he's phenomenal. It's a perfect spot for him. Same thing with Devonte Smith. And we saw it in real time. Now Devonte would have gotten better. Uh, Cause he was a rookie player um, in his second season, even if AJ Brown wouldn't have gotten here, but he's not AJ Brown. And he's a great number two. He'd be a good number one, but he wouldn't be A.J. Brown. There's more to it when the other team is trying to do different things and trying to work again because they understand what you are as a player.
3: Slay's a big, big big-time player. Yeah, but would you admit that Bradbury had the better year of the two? Career up to that point put aside just – who was better and you can decide how you think the other teams attacked them over the course of the year. By the end of the year, I'm telling you they're not throwing away uh, from Darius Slay. They were thrown away from Bradbury more see, than Slay. I,
4: I, I don't agree with that. Okay. Um, second team all pro Bradbury had the better year. Um, that's my point. Um, But part of that is because, and Bradbury will be the first to tell you this part of that is because he gets to play in the opposite Slay. Um, and that's, Kind of what I'm saying. I mean, Devonte Smith was, I heard people at the end of the year, my buddy Ed Kratz said it, Devonte's better than A.J. I heard that from people, not a lot, not as many, not a lot, but I heard that from people. I said, no, he's not. He's a really good player. And people take that as an insult. He's a really good player. He's not A.J. Brown. Um, same thing with Bradbury, really good player. He's not Darius Slade. And if he was in that cornerback one role, it would be
3: a lot more difficult for him. That's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah. You and I kind of disagree on the cornerbacks. We see the wide receivers the same. Sorry, A.J. Brown is just better at this point. He had had, had a better career than De- Devontae Smith, and he had a better season than Devontae Smith. Darius Slay's had a better career than James Bradbury, James Bradbury had a better year this year. He was he was on the field. The Eagles quarterback one. Uh, so I guess, yeah, you and I look at it a little bit differently. Hey, we'll try and get a third point of view on this. So we're hoping to punch up Brian Cameron, who is the phillysportsnetwork.com Eagles managing editor. Uh, we've never had Brian on the show before. Looking forward to talking to him next here on Birds 365.
5: Go to get your game on.
7: Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event we all know that taxes
8: are just part of life it's true during our working years but also in retirement but what you might not know is up to 85 percent of your social security benefits might be taxed our team at thrive financial has helped retire thousands of people across the delaware valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their social security benefits might be taxed it's time to be proactive on taxes get your thrive
9: retirement tax playbook today Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With Action News and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action News and AccuWeather, the team you trust.
0: Good back, morning here on Birds
3: 365, and we welcome in a newbie. We've never had the pleasure of talking to Brian Cameron, managing editor of Eagles content on phillysportsnetwork.com. Brian, welcome to the show.
10: Good morning, good morning. How are you guys feeling today?
3: We're
4: doing, doing good. well. We- Thanks for uh, joining us, Brian. So I guess we'll start out since uh, the Eagles named a new linebackers coach. I think everybody breathed a sigh of relief, but it seemed like Eagles fans weren't <laughs> happy about potentially Matt Patricia coming here uh it's going to be DJ Elliott not as well known but locally was the defensive coordinator at Temple which Temple was not great last year but I don't know if that was DJ's fault um what do you make of the move and 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 just the coaching staff and and the lack of continuity in the movement away from some pretty significant pieces
10: I'm actually a big fan of the move. I, I mean, you, you said it um, right off the bat. Uh, it's a sigh of relief, right? You know, last year Eagles fans were panicking about the the thought of I'm um, not last year, two years ago they were panicking at the thought of Josh McDaniels, and now comes in Matt Patricia, who hey, Darius Slay is very beloved in Philadelphia, right? We we know the history between Patricia and Slay, so I think that was the cause of a concern because it was kind of like you know it's one or the other, it's Patricia or Slay. Um, now you know it's, it feels like you know the Eagles are actually doing something where they're they're sticking to their culture, they're sticking to what's working for them. Um. As far as Elliott, not too much on, on his background, but what I do know is that he's actually an expert in a 3-4 defense, which actually aligns with everything that Sean Desai is rumored to, to be bringing to Philly. Um, I'm a big fan of what's going on on the defensive side. Uh, from last year to, to seeing Jonathan Gannon, to seeing the possibility of what we could get from Sean Desai, it feels like Eagles fans will actually be in a good place defensively. I think the only cause for, cause for concern right now is the, is getting the right pieces in defense going forward.
3: Now, wait a second. Um, you you know Eagles, def- Eagles fans. I think said Eagle fans are in a good place. They'll be in a good place with to- Sean Desai for about 20 minutes. And the first <laughs> quarter of the first game when he doesn't blitz once, Eagle fans are going to turn on him in a heartbeat because they certainly, despite the fact that he his defense put up more sacks than any Eagle defense in history, he still wasn't aggressive enough in the eyes of most Eagles fans. And Sean decide blitzes less than Jonathan Gannon does. How long do you think this quote unquote love affair is gonna last?
10: Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think got to credit Eagles fans a little bit, right? You know, we had a bit of uh, patience with with Jonathan Gannon over the last, last couple of years. Um, I think that the the make or break thing with Gannon and decide if you actually look at decide's track record, um, going back to when the Bears faced the Ravens, you you said it, decide doesn't blitz much. But against the Ravens, he actually blitzed over 68% against Lamar Jackson and um, and I think it was Huntley at the time. Um, so it shows that this guy is, you know, willing to adjust on the fly, willing to, to look at what's not working for him and actually improve on that. And that's something that we didn't see so much with Jonathan Gannon. We saw, you know, him sticking to what it was. Um, people, you know, you know, that they, they brought Vic Fangio to be a consultant. But at the same, t- same time, if I'm telling you, to, you know, if I'm consulting you, I'm telling you, you know, you know, this is what could work, this is what can't work. At the end of the day, if I'm on the defense board, now I'm running things my way. And I feel like that's what we saw a lot from Jonathan Gannon.
4: Well, it was interesting, the big thing. And obviously, you know, Vic is omnipresent over the Eagles and the entire NFL, really, because so many teams run his scheme right now. And he, by the way, mm-hmm. isn't happy about that. He mentioned that uh, when he got the job in Miami. For people that don't know, he was brought in as a consultant to help the offense for the Super Bowl. Uh mm-hmm. Marcus Brady, uh, who the the former Colts offensive coordinator was helping the defense, and the Eagles sort of switched it up. But basically they were just saying, Hey, you know, if if, if you're an offense, how are you going at my defense in this look? And vice versa. So, so Vic wasn't really helping Jonathan Gannett. So you know, blame them for the bad stuff, give them credit for the good stuff. Number two defense overall. Here's my problem, Brian. If number two defense isn't overall, isn't good enough. If number one passing defense overall isn't good enough. If 70 sacks, the most in franchise history, far more than my buddy Seth Joyner and anybody else got in the history of this team with Jim Johnson and buddy Ryan, if that's not good enough, aren't we setting up Sean's aside for failure?
10: I think to a certain extent, I do agree with that. Um coming in again, it's it's the patience factor. And like Jody mentioned, uh, you know, Eagles fans are not the most patient. But I, I feel like, you know, after seeing what I think that again has um has gone through and understanding that in this league, you know, you can't have great continuity if you're gonna be a contender at the end of the day. I mean, the Bills are losing a lot of players, the Chiefs lost a lot of players a year ago. Um, and the Eagles are in that position right now where they have continuity on the offensive side, but defensively, it's going to be, it's a, a big question mark, right? Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's things to build on, in my opinion, at least they have a great defensive line. They have Hassan Reddick coming back. They have Josh Sweat. Um, the rumors of Brandon Graham coming back. Jordan Davis is at, is going to have himself a, a year where he's actually the, the focal point, um, whether he's lined up against, uh, with Fletcher Cox or, or, or Milton Williams or a rookie. Um, Patience is going to be key. And I do agree it is setting the side up a little bit for failure. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's a resilient, resilient franchise, right? It's, a, it's a, all about resiliency in the, in the culture. We saw what Nick Sirianni went through in his first season, how he was ridiculed from his first press conference, even to all the way to the Garden Talk. Um, and now a year later, they, they were in the Super Bowl. Um, this team is going to contend just for the fact that they have an overpowering offense, in my opinion. But defensively, yes, you're right. They are setting them, setting them up for failure. But at the same time, we you just don't know what's going to be delivered when we, when you have a Hassan Reddick, who just was masterful last season, who's only going to get better. You have, again, Jordan Davis who's only going to get better. Josh Sweat and things of that sort. Uh,
3: I need an opinion from you on the interior offensive line because my partner, Johnny Mack, continues to make this uh, theory about how the Eagles might handle their offensive line and free agency this offseason, which I think he's well-founded in. If Jason Kelsey's coming back, it's going to be very difficult to keep Isaac Samalo. If Jason mm-hmm. Kelly, Kelsey decides to retire, then the Eagles will make a more concerted effort to keep Isaac Samalo. I was listening to my radio station WIP yesterday, and Joe Giglio was taking a stance that it'd be better for the Eagles if Jason Kelsey walked away. Because then they could use the 14 million. By the way, 15, can you
4: slap Joe for me?
3: <laughs> I, if, if I could have done it through my radio, I would have tried. Right. <laughs> but his line of logic was that $14 million you can spend on the defense instead to keep all these defensive guys who are going to lose. Oh, so you're going to lose both Kelsey and Isaac. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, but the, the main thing is Kelsey's got to make a decision here in the next three days. He told the Eagles he'd do so before free agency kicked in. Give us your uh, crystal ball and, and what you think would be best for the Eagles, Jason Kelsey back for 2023.
10: I think what's best for the Eagles is Jason Kelsey and putting um, that 62 jersey no matter what. I mean, definitely the best center in the NFL. Um, I think best case scenario, he is back. And the great thing that I um, saw, and maybe, John, you could attest to this, was Cam Juergen saying, hey, I could play right guard if Jason comes back for another year. Like, I don't mind yeah. it. And that speaks volumes mm-hmm. to Jeff Stallone. I mean, Probably the, the best offensive um, line coach in all the NFL. Um, his guys are versatile. His guys are, are plug and play. They can do whatever whatever it is asked of them. Um, and I think if Jason does come back, I'm not too worried about Samalu. I think Cam Jerkins is a is a stud from what we saw last year in his little glimpses. And it's it's Stalman than they like. If you're gonna have anything anything confident to to say about the Eagles, it's gonna be about Jeff Stalman.
4: Yeah, I, I, you know, going back to Joe's point, Joe does a great job. I'm only joking. He can have his <laughs> opinions, but I, I I, go back to Sam Hankey again when I hear stuff like this. You got a mm-hmm. first ballot Hall of Fame player. Don't worry about the damn future. Worry about the future when the future is there. Take advantage of the first ballot Hall of Fame player because I'm with you, Brian. I think Cam Jergen's is going to be a good NFL player. It's probably mm-hmm. not going to be Jason Kelsey. I mean, that's, that's kind of unfair uh, to expect anybody. And I just don't get this philosophy of, well, he's only got, he's going to retire. He's only got a year left. Milk it. He was, he he had his best season, which is amazing at at Mm -hmm. his age and he was able to stay healthy. I get it. He's not going to be here long-term. You'd, you'd like to roll things over perfectly but you can't always do that. You got to take advantage of your best players for as long as they're playing the way Jason Kelsey is playing. Boy, Jason, if he wants to keep going too, you if he keeps playing at this level, do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Add another episode in <laughs> the podcast. Do whatever you need. Be as happy as possible. I don't get it. Why, why, why do people why do you think fans go down that route so much? Always worried about the future, especially when you're this close to winning the Super Bowl,
10: Yeah. I'm not too sure why, why people dig into that. Um, I have a theory was kind of like, you know, for example, a free agency, people are spending the Eagles money without having the Eagles money. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the cash space is the cash space, how we always find a way around it. Um, a lot of things can happen. For all we know, how we could pull off the move of the century and that that player ends up restructuring their contract. Um, I don't know why people go down that road. Let, let you know, let tomorrow's um, worries come. You know, come tomorrow. Let today be today. At the end of the day, and Jason Kelsey, like you said, he's a, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like if he wants to play, I'm I'm giving him whatever he wants to play under the year. All
3: right, yeah. uh, I'm going to mention a website that I know both you guys know uh, quite well. It's pretty good for guys in the industry like us. That would be SpoTrack, which is a NFL uh, cap analyst and and data. Uh, collector for contracts for all the players around the team, league and teams. They came out with what they are speculating Jalen Hurts's contract extension is going to look like yesterday. First time they've done it on Jalen. And they uh, slotted him in at six years, 263, this is how uh, you can tell that it's done with a theorem, <laughs> 263,190 Two hundred and sixty three million one hundred and ninety thousand two hundred and sixteen dollars. So yeah, they're doing some adding and subtracting there, okay? Uh, and that would come out to an annual average value of forty three eight and change. and they do not give a percentage of how much they think the money will be guaranteed. And ask Lamar Jackson how important that is. That's the reason why he's got a franchise tag on his rear end right now because he's fighting for every last guaranteed dollar. So they don't even go there. I got bad news, Eagle fans. I think this is short. I think Jalen Hurts is getting more than this. I'll quickly repeat it 263 million and change for six years with an average annual value of 43.
4: 865 yeah i think
3: that's
10: low and i didn't get more than that yeah yeah you brian you. i think they're selling them extremely short um uh, we saw him go toe-to-toe with the best quarterback in the league in the super bowl in the highest stage um Jalen hurts is, is gonna is gonna be in my opinion at least the 40s 50 annual mark um i feel like there's nothing less you can give them but the issue at hand is they have to make it work for the cap space right they have to Find some, some work around where it alleviates the cash space going forward. And he's 24 years old. There's no way he's going to settle for less than 300 mil if I'm Jalen, at least. I mean, runner-up for MVP, arguably should have been the MVP, um, arguably should have been the Super Bowl MVP, even though they lost. I mean, the kid's a stud.
4: Yeah. Um, he is. He's going to get his money. It's going to be interesting to see how quickly it goes, because the Eagles have mm-hmm. this history of wanting to get things done. They know what's coming down the, the road when Joe Burrow eventually signs Justin Herbert, it's only going up. So they'll try to yeah. get it done as quickly as possible. That, to me, is the biggest question. It, it's going to get done. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of when and how quickly they can get it done. Um, Are you surprised but there, it's not done yet? Uh, no. Because, okay. I, you know, everybody... Joe Banner, unfortunately, went on the Rich Eisen show and and, and recommended Jalen Waits, um, you know, and I think his agents know that. They want to see Joe Burrow. The problem is Cincinnati's not going to go quickly. The Chargers aren't going to go quickly. So mm-hmm. those two organizations are going to be loggerheads. Who who can get it done uh first? And how patient can Jalen Hurts be? We'll see. I mean, A lot of money. He hasn't made a lot of money. He just made a million dollars. He's scheduled. I mean, that's a lot for us, but it's not a lot for an NFL player. So that big number is going to be very enticing for him as well. So it's going to be interesting Mm -hmm. to see how it goes. Now, other free agents are leaving. Howie Roseman has been very above board for people paying attention. The Eagles are going to lose players. They're going to lose significant players. They're going to have 2020. Or compensatory picks because they lose players. Brian, if I gave you two players that you had to have back, which which two are you going for free agency
10: wise? Uh, definitely Javon Hargrave. Um, I think he was, you know, he, was, he had a coming out party a bit um, last season. And then I'm on the fence about this next one, uh, John C. Garden Johnson. I know he's a fan favorite. I know people, you know, love the idea of the, of the energy he brings to Philly, which is great. He was phenomenal for us. But if you paid attention, Chauncey's actually trying to break the bank for 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 his role, for his hybrid role. Um, in in New Orleans, he wanted to break the bank for a nickel cornerback. Came to Philly, switched positions to drive up drive up his market. Um, the likelihood of him staying, I think, is kind of slimmer than we than we think. But it would definitely be CJ and um and Javon, in my opinion. Those would be the two most talented. I would agree with you there. Uh, back to the quarterback
3: for a second. Everybody wants to know how signings affect Jalen Hurts. Like when Derek Carr signed, did it have an effect on Jalen Hurts? Not really. When Daniel Jones signed the other day, other than the fact they're going to play twice a year every year, and I think the Giants kind of overpaid him at $82 million guaranteed for the first <laughs> two years, it doesn't really affect Jalen Hurts. Burrow would um um so, uh, Herbert wood the guy who's gonna is jamar uh is uh, lamar jackson because that's immediate he's already hitting the free agent market th- those two other guys have time to wait before mm-hmm. they hit the fifth year of their contract so th- neither one of those two teams and neither one of them is chock full of money are like uber motivated to get it done tomorrow so if the Eagles uh, are going to have to wait because Jalen says, I want to wait till these other two guys. sign, The only one who's really going to move the needle at all on Jalen's deal is Lamar Jackson. So he's now a free agent. He can negotiate with any team. We've all read the reports on he's mm-hmm. looking to get every dollar guaranteed like Deshaun Watson. How's Lamar Jackson's free agency going to play out there, Brian?
10: uh uh it's it's tough to say right I mean you have all these random public statements that these teams are not in the running for Lamar but I, I have a feeling that one team is going to come out the, um come out the woodworks out of uh out of spite um to sign Lamar and get him the money he wants just because like there's you know and I hate to to, to use it as an example for example like the commanders right Snyder's on his way out if I'm if I'm pissed off at the owners if I'm pissed off at the NFL what am I going to do I'm going to break the bank of Lamar Jackson. and just piss off everybody even more. But, <laughs> That's a um, good point. That would be <laughs> a,
4: a, a nice FU out the door. For yeah,
10: <laughs> that would be wild. Other than that, it's it's hard to say. Like, I mean, you have teams that don't want to give up two first-round picks in order to, to sign Lamar. But at the end of the day, a guy like Lamar is worth more than two first-round picks. Uh, I mean, yeah. we've that seen what... Even,
4: I, would, I, I wouldn't even hesitate. Uh,
10: yeah. Like two first-round picks. But the Deshaun Watson deal just it screwed up everybody, right? And the, all that guaranteed money and the way they maneuvered it, it's its going to have ripple effects on Lamar Jackson, which is going to have ripple effects on Jalen. I think Jalen Eagles are waiting to see what the guaranteed money is going to look like.
4: Yeah, definitely. No one in the NFL is happy with the Deshaun Watson contract and the fully guaranteed nature of it. and That's the biggest issue, and we'll see if Lamar can get it from somebody. I think it's going to be really, really difficult uh, to get that deal. Now, if he goes short-term like Kirk Cousins, uh, maybe it's a little bit more realistic. So, it's going to be one of the more interesting off-season storylines. Last one from me, Brian, and, and follow Brian on Twitter at the Cameron PSN. Eagles managing editor for the Philly Sports Network there. Does stuff for the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. So, you're going to be doing stuff on Jason Kelsey and <laughs> probably probably Lane Johnson down the road I think he's a Hall of Fame player right? You know, Fletch is going to be interesting uh, So yeah. I ended there with, with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham uh, We were talking yesterday on the show About paying for past performance Versus paying for, you know, what's coming up but Obviously they're not the players they once were But they've meant so much to this organization How do you tell that line if you're Howie Roseman? um you know they're they're still good players um you know Fletcher had a bounce back season Brandon had a great season in a more limited role but you know we talked about it with Jason Kelsey and there's people want to move on from Jason Kelsey still playing at an all pro <laughs> level so yeah how do you justify bringing Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham back if it's not a really team friendly cost effective deal
10: they're both at needed positions. I mean, we our our edge depth is not not there to begin with. If you lose Javon Hargrave, our defensive tackle depth is not there to begin with. Um, in a year where you want Jordan Davis to, to actually you know explode, actually to come on the scene and break out, you need a guy like Fletcher Cox around them, where he's actually you know right next to him helping them deliver the, um the the pressure. Uh, Brandon Graham, I feel like, is more needed than Fletcher Cox just because. Edge, you know, it's it's such a a huge question mark going forward. You know, who's behind us? Who's um behind Hassan? Who's behind Josh? Um, but also Brandon Graham's leadership, I feel like is second to none. Like he took on a role this year where, yeah, he was he was limited and he was exploding, but he was really the the voice of that um that defensive line, which was phenomenal to see. And why not have one of these guys, you know, finish their year as a, as a, finish their career as an Eagle? I mean, I think we're due for that in in this case. We lost Brian Dawkins um we lost malcolm jenkins like these kind of guys that you know you don't you don't want you don't want to see them wearing different jerseys at the end of their career and not you know not benefiting from their environment i feel like brandon graham on the browns does not make any sense but your cox on the browns does not make any sense because you're not you're gonna win anything your best position of, of play right now is to stay in philly um to hope it is that it is team friendly but at, at the end of the day i mean how many eagles fans you see in the um in the parking lots wearing Fletcher Cox jerseys. Like this guy deserves to be retiring as an Eagle. All
3: right. Last one for me, Brian, I've asked this of a bunch of people over the last week or so last, uh, first year in an Eagle uniform, Kenneth Gainwell, 68 carries 300, 291 yards, five touchdowns, 33 receptions, 253 yards with a touchdown. Pretty good as a Rook. This year, 53 carries, so 15 less carries, 240 yards, 51 less yards, and 23 receptions as compared to 33. So he went backwards in receptions, too. Year two, not as productive as year one. As of right now, he's Eagles RB1. Can the Eagles go next year with, and we know they don't have, quote, unquote, a bell cow back. Very few teams in the league do. The Eagles are just one of many. <laughs> 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 Excuse me. I get choked up talking about
4: this. <laughs> choked up talking <laughs> about Kenny. <laughs> Kenny's run late. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, can he be the Eagles lead back next year? Do you Do you have enough faith in Kenneth Gainwell that if they hand it to him more than anyone else next year, the Eagle running game will be fine?
10: I think they will be. I think it's more faith in the offensive line and the scheme. Um, and also, we've seen what he did in the playoffs. Like, Kenny's able to disappear in between the tackles and make make um, big explosive plays when needed. Um, he's also able to catch that out of the backfield consistently. Um, will he be the number one running back? I don't believe so. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't be against that at all. I think he can actually do it.
3: Great stuff, Ryan. We appreciate you coming on board with us today. We will be getting in touch uh, that much more often during the offseason. Thanks for a couple minutes today.
10: Hey, I appreciate you guys for having me on, honestly. Really appreciate it. Brian
3: Cameron, phillysportsnetwork.com. He is the managing editor of Eagles content. If you don't uh, check out that website, you should. phillysportsnetwork.com. All right, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, coming back. A couple more things we got to get in. Hour number two, we'll go a little bit more combine slash draft intensive. Ian Cummings is a guy we had on a couple of times last year. He covers the NFL draft for uh, NFL network.com uh, does a real good job. Uh, we haven't had him on yet this year because this is now his season. It's how we see it season. And it's Ian season because the draft is uh, already closing in on us just over two months away. Ian Cummings will join us uh, about 25 minutes from now, but more Mac and Mac here on birds, Three Sixty Five. coming up next.
7: Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. We all know
8: that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today.
9: Plan your day with
8: confidence.
9: Keep the umbrellas on hand. With Action News and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action News and AccuWeather, the team you trust.
3: You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald hanging with you here on Birds 365 on a football Friday. No football being played, but plenty of it being talked here on Birds 365. Um, And we appreciate Brian Cameron did a nice job jumping in for us first time from phillysportsnetwork.com. his take on on jason kelsey was good and it it did surprise me when i heard an argument on the radio for no you should be rooting for jason kelsey to step away that makes no sense um but we do need to hear something in the next three days here john and jason is uh, a very media savvy guy has his own podcast does show up on wip we saw him on Saturday Night Live just last weekend. So he knows how to play the game with the best of them. Uh, do you assume his own social media account sometime in the next three days? Because free agency starts Monday. That's when legalized tampering starts. And Howie Roseman would like to know ahead of time, for Isaac Salmalo purposes, if your read is right, which you've been saying this for, shoot, months as a matter of fact, Kelsey will help determine how aggressive the Eagles are in trying to re-sign Isaac Samalo. I agree with your assessment there. Isaac is a key guy. If they bring Isaac back, anybody would complain about that, I think would be stupid, unless Isaac gets some outrageous contract, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think the Eagles will give it to him. I don't think anybody in the league will. I think he'll get good, solid left, uh, right guard money, but nothing more than that but they got to know whether they can spend that or not. Cause they got a whole bunch of other decisions they got to make. So how's Jason going to handle this over the next couple of days?
4: Um, well, I, I thought he was going to announce it on his podcast. Um, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they still do a special, uh, you know, I know they, they have a lot of stuff in the can. They were out at the combine. They were replaying interviews they did with Howie. I think Howie already knows, I mean, to be honest. I, I think he's he's let Howie in on, on the question. Now, now Roseman said out in Indy that he can take as much time as he wants. I think that affects the Eagles' planning. Um, maybe it's true, um, but, you know, if I were a betting man, I, I would bet that Howie already knows, and, you know, it's just a matter of when the actual news comes out. And like I said, I thought, I thought he'd do it on his podcast for everything you just said. Jody's a savvy guy understands, you know, why give it to the inquirer or WIP do it yourself. You know, he's building a pretty significant brand with his brother. Um, So ultimately I thought it would come down in that route. Um, But maybe he really is thinking about it. He just had a third daughter. Um, You know, all the Tom Brady stuff is starting again. You know, nobody believes he's retired. Uh, Now all the Miami talk is coming up again. Um, You know, he's talking about adopting kittens uh, and and nobody believes it. So, you know, there's a potential that he really is still mulling it over. Um, But in the past, he's always been very cognizant of helping the team. That's why I, I talk about it the way I talk about it. And I don't, ultimately, I don't think that's changing. Um, is he going to feel different in July when it's time to report to training camp than right now? Probably. Um, but he probably doesn't want to put the Eagles in that situation as
3: well. Right. And the one thing that the players who have been in a position that Jason Kelsey and is in. He getting to determine when his football career ends, John. But what would you say? Ninety-five percent, ninety-eight percent of the players don't get to decide that. No. The league decides yeah. that for them. They go. Guess what? No teams are interested in bringing you in, even on a uh, minimum deal or whatever. The, the The sport decides when you're done playing the sport. About two or three percent of the players get a chance to actually dictate terms to go. Now I'm done. Even though there are teams that are still interested in my services, I just want to get on with the rest of my life. So Jason's in a very advantageous and and almost unique position of being able to dictate terms. Uh, You mentioned the timing of it come July. You're right. When you actually got to get back out there and do the work and you've had the downtime and you've had the rest and you've been around your family, it's going back to work. And that's something that a lot of guys, don't necessarily look forward to. But the one other thing I'll say about Jason Kelsey is he just loves his teammates. He loves being an Eagle. He loves being at the facility. He loves working with his guys and with his coaches. And if July rolls around and he's not doing it, I gam- damn sure guarantee you he's going to miss that. He might not miss the work. He might not. Yeah, work. he, doesn't, he miss doesn't miss the practice.
4: Yeah. I, it, man. And he joked. I don't know if he saw. I mean, it was a pretty funny clip that uh, the Eagles' first touchdown of the year on his podcast. You know, he was so gassed because he joked he didn't have a training camp. You know, he was so tired. And Jalen Hurts was on the show. And it was him, him and AJ were looking at each other like, what's going on with this guy? He was so tired. Um, but he has said, look, if Doug was still here and they were running things like the way Doug, and remember, this isn't Andy Reid two a days, this is just a couple years ago. He said he'd already be retired. Um, no question about it. Um, so the way the Eagles do things has helped him out. So he definitely doesn't want to practice like he used to practice. Um, but there's no reason to think the Eagles aren't going to manage him the same way they did this year. And look, he had his arguably his best season. Um, you know, he would argue he didn't. Um, and I know he's told me that personally. So there are little things that he can't do that he used to be able to do. Um, and he said, people don't realize that. Uh, so he knows time is coming to an end, but, if he can play like he played last year, I I don't even know why it's a question. I mean, you gotta keep you gotta keep riding it out until until he can't
3: play like that. Like I said, most of the time the league determines. Uh, your team determines, but then the rest of the league determines whether you can play. And nobody in the league saying to Jason, Yeah, you're not good enough to play anymore. So he is he is in control of absolutely everything. And he got you may think that Howie Roseman already knows. You, you've got a better feel for that than I do. I think Howie's waiting just like everybody else. I don't know that Jason is tipping anyone. possible. And, well, anyway. uh, none of us know for sure. Um, but um, th- this I do feel pretty sure about. Jason's going to say something before Sunday. Because I really don't think he's going to call Howie and go, Howie, I need two more days. Uh, give me another 24 hours. I don't think he's going to do that. If he hasn't told that, this is under the assumption he hasn't told them yet, which you don't necessarily agree with. um, I don't think he's going to push the envelope and go, listen, these next couple my wife and I are going away. uh, Got a christening party I got to go to. I don't think he's going past Sunday. Now, will we find out? Maybe Jason dictates the timing of the announcement and how it's going to come out. And I'd surely believe the Eagles would grant them that. Howie Roseman isn't going to drop dime and call John McMongle. Oh, by the way, Kelsey told me he's back. No, that, that's not going to leak out to Howie. He will do whatever it takes.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
3: ...to keep Jason happy. If he wants to say yes and or no and says, but give me a little bit more time because I want to play this the way I want to play this, I think the Eagles will give him that accord. But I do think that he will make a decision before free agency kicks in on Monday. Agree or disagree?
4: No, I agree. I've said that. And I know uh, the finish line is getting here. So it's it's got to be pretty quick. But, yeah, I mean, that's always been the way he's done it in the past. So I don't think it's going to change uh, this year. Um, I think the only thing that's changed is he started this process last year thinking that was it. You know, this was it. One more year and I'm done. And now he had so much fun and and so much success that you know that's the party's wavering on, um, and and that's difficult. You know, we saw what happened with Tom Brady. He got divorced over that. Um, you know that that there's real world issues. Um, these guys aren't robots. Um, you know, I'm sure his wife is very involved in this decision. Um, a lot of things go into it. And, and, you know, it's not turning on a video game. And I think too many fans think that.
3: All right, J-Mac, I've got an NFL rules slash, um, uh, I guess you would call it paperwork type decision. I should know the answer to this, but I don't. I think I know, but I'm not sure. That's why I'm asking you. Compensatory draft picks. Can they be dealt?
4: Yes, they can now. That was uh, a change. change for many the years. Rule? They okay. couldn't be changed. Right. Uh, couldn't be traded. I Yeah. They changed it a couple of years ago. I got to look up the exact year, but yes, now you can trade uh, compensatory picks.
3: Okay. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't sure about it. I knew at one point you couldn't trade them, but I didn't know if they had changed it. Thank you for uh, telling me that is the case. You see the quote from uh, Les Snead, the general manager of the uh, LA Rams. Who famously last year, when they went to the Super Bowl, said, F the picks. Yeah. Because oh, they went oh yeah. so far all in to try and win a championship and they won. More power to them. But there could have been a price to pay. Oh, and it was this season paid a terrible price and were a mediocre to bad football team. Uh, and they don't have that first round draft pick that they, they would benefit from having such a lousy year this past year. No, they had to trade that to win the Super Bowl the year uh, before. He said, "We're gonna have to hit the brakes on trading picks for veteran players on yeah. uh, roster construction. We're gonna have no to more hit FM those picks. Brakes.
4: Yeah,
3: uh, no more uh, paying the price for FM picks. But here's the good news for you, Ram fans out there, all three of you that are uh, watching us right now. The Rams did get four compensatory draft picks for this year's draft." The NFL yesterday announced their compensatory draft picks for the 2022 draft. Everybody is talking. See about how many teams. San Francisco got? Woo. They got a whole nother draft. They got seven picks. Understood. And three of them post third round, which is the highest compensatory pick you can get is at the end of the third round. San Francisco, they got three of them. So that tells you how good a team they were this year. They lose their quarterback, their starting quarterback, Then they lose their backup quarterback and they lost so many free agents this past off season without replacing them and signing other teams, free agents. They got seven compensatory picks. Well,
4: remember you can only get four for players. So they got three for all their front office hires. So many people hired, uh, the diversity compensatory picks. So the D'Amico Ryans, the Rand Carthons, uh, uh, Robert Salas the, all those piled in this year because of the timing uh, so three of those picks were for the hirings away from their organization right. um, and that's why I bring that up for Eagles fans thinking because the Eagles might be in a position to get six or seven just from a player standpoint but that cuts off at four you can you can only get four um, so that's why the, the 49ers um, hall, compensatory hall, needless to say, is an NFL
3: record. Yeah, never before as a team had seven compensatory picks. And they are, sorry, Eagle fans, one of the legit contenders in the NFC next year. There aren't all that many. It's the Eagles and everybody else, and at the top of the everybody else list, it's San Francisco. And then there's another drop-off thereafter as far as I'm concerned. So the Rams are going to get the, the benefit of this this offseason with seven compensatory picks, um, most people believe the Eagles are going to get a minimum of four next year, which is the maximum they can get. But if they lose a lot of free agents and they've certainly got the possibility to. We ran down the Jimmy Kemsky speculation from his column earlier this week in Philly Voice uh, and a whole bunch of guys he thinks are eligible for compensatory picks if they sign free agent contracts anyway. Yeah, Eagles got to wait a whole year and change for that to kick in. First thing first, we got to find out if they lose those free agents, hopefully not all of them, uh, but if they do and and how good a player and how big a contract they're going to get will uh, dictate the round of the pick that they would get for the compensatory guy. Um, one other thing I want to add to the conversation because I've seen this written a couple different places over the last 24, 48 hours and uh, people may disagree with me with this. John Mullen. McMullen may disagree with me with this. I've seen people speculate on the Eagles' potential signings of free agents this offseason. They lose uh, Hargrave and CJ and and uh, Bradbury. And uh, somebody's got to step in and play. And they'll draft guys and uh, do, do you think Josh Job can start a corner for the Eagles this upcoming year, Johnny May?
4: I do not. I uh, do north, not. North I, do think, I. I. think Zach McPherson is still ahead of Josh Job on the depth. Show. All right.
3: Do you think Zach, Zach's don't call me Zach McPherson or Zach don't call me Zach McPherson uh, is good enough to start for the Eagles this upcoming year?
4: I would not be comfortable with that. Um, okay. So there's not... a
3: very good chance Eagles can take a cornerback with their first round draft pick. And that's a better possibility of happening but what happens if someone offers them an unbelievable amount to give up that 10th pick because there's a quarterback still there? And how he just got, they're giving him, he, he can drop down five slots and he gets a future one and fills in the blanks on his draft this year. It's just a Monty Hall unbelievable deal that's dropped in his lap. But then the cornerbacks all come off the board and the Eagles don't have uh, a player on their board that they think is strong enough to take in that first round. And all of a sudden you got Darius Slay and to be determined on the other side of the uh, aisle next year for the Eagle cornerback position. And I've seen a couple people, write, The Eagles will stay away from signing free agents this off season because they don't want to lose out. On the compensatory, that's true, that they will get that is true. That I is think true. that is, I think that's dumb. I think that that's true. stupid. Howie, uh, believes in that. Um, uh, well, then I disagree with Howie Rosen. Like I said, people are going to disagree with me. I, I get if you got two players that are equal, same type player, very close, money same, talent level same, production level play, and one's a guy who was released by another organization and doesn't come under the compensation judgment. And the other one is a guy who got the free agency. If you sign him, it would be considered a a comparison to a guy you lost. Oh, of course, you're going to sign the, the 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 guy who you don't lose a compensatory pick for. But would you actually sign a lesser player, a less talented player, just because you wouldn't have a compensatory drop off? You'd sign a less talented player than a better player because oh, well, you might I, lose I, that I, sixth I round. Compensatory pick that you're going to get for Miles Sanders.
4: I, I don't know if it, and obviously the later you go, we're talking about players like Javon Hargrave, like C.J. Gardner Johnson. The potential third-round picks are are a big deal. A potential seventh-round pick, yeah. What you're saying, the, the, who cares? Um, but we're talking the big guys. So, and if you're not, if if you're not in a position to get back your own players, you're probably not going to be in a position to bring in a similar player from outside the organization. I hear what you're saying about six, seventh rounders, not as important, but where Howie's very savvy is, you know, look, guys who get cut elsewhere, James Bradbury, um, last year, not, uh, susceptible to the compensatory formula in right. a season that happens all the time. The later you go, whatever the cutoff is, June 1st, or whatever the cutoff is, all of a sudden you're not eligible for a compensatory pick. So when everybody loses their mind, and they will lo- lose their mind, and I try to calm everybody down, and how we said this last year, everybody was losing their mind in the first two days.
3: Oh, the Eagles aren't doing anything. Do you, how can they do that?
4: And yeah, you know, just Johnny Mac. Down.
3: Johnny Mac. We're only six days away from that yeah. when people lose their mind. Exactly. The did not do anything immediately out of the gates.
4: And they're going to be agency. they're going to do it again this year because they're going to oh, lose yeah. certain oh, yeah. players, and that's why Howie's on record saying we're going to lose certain players, but they're mm-hmm. going to gain some players, and they're very savvy. Whether you want to go back to the Chris Longs in 2017 and the Laguard Plants. Of waiting to that decar markation line and still getting good players. Patrick Peterson, you're talking about cornerbacks. You know, there's an older guy. You know, if there was one guy who played well on that crappy Minnesota defense last year, it was Patrick Peterson in that system. Um, the Pangio like scheme at his age, just very smart, very savvy. Um, wasn't isn't what he was as a potential Hall of Fame player, Um, you know, from a talent perspective, from a trade standpoint, lost a step. But he's playing in this defense, very similar to James Bradbury. Maybe they get him later in the process. I'm just throwing that name out there. Um, Howie has earned the benefit of that. He should have, have earned the benefit. He knows what he's doing. And when, we're, when you're talking about the Eagles won't sign – He's talking about, and I'm talking about, potential third-round picks, the big-name players. Yeah, when you start getting – and he did it with Andrew Sandeo back in the years. Remember, they cut him. He was playing well. The coaching staff was was um, uh, really enamored of Andrew Sandeo. For, I know the fans weren't, but they really liked Andrew because he's a very smart player, um, did everything they wanted, blah, blah, blah. There was that cutoff point the ninth or tenth game. If you kept him on the roster, you you weren't going to get a compensatory pick. And he said, you know what? I'd rather have the pick and they cut him. And they ended up getting Marcus Epps. And it worked out long term. The guy's very savvy. He he he's very savvy and he's going to judge the particular price. He's not going to take a lesser player. The point is he's not in a position. If you can't get Javon back, he's not bringing in somebody else at the same money.
3: Right. Um, well, there, there isn't someone like that even available. Yeah. But there isn't a there's a the kid from
4: Denver who might be uh, Draymond uh, Jones. But, you know, that's about it. Uh, so that's the players he's kind of – that people are talking about. They're going to lose some players, and they're not going to sign lesser players to big money or what they would feel would be lesser players in this organization and lose out in compensatory picks.
3: And this is the only point I'm trying to make just to, to stay within the parameters. You're taking the discussion, which are, are right. And just, if you believe that Javon Hargrave is close to a 20, if we're talking average annual value, close to a $20 million deal per, per year guy.
4: That's what chapter said. I That's mean, what
3: chapter says. Yeah. So We'll, we'll use chapter's numbers. Let's say this Denver kid, who you, you're suggesting is close, is is potentially in that same neighborhood. So 17 million, he's not quite as high as Hargrave as what uh, Spotrak or Adam Schefter or anyone else would speculate his average annual value is. Let's say he wants to play for the Eagles, and he's willing to come and play for the Eagles for 12 which is below what most people assume his market value would be. If Howie Roseman says, well, no, I'm going to pass on him because he's going to be considered a match with Javon Hargrave and I'll lose that on a third round compensatory pick, then that's not all in, Howie. Then that's not, we want to go back to the Super Bowl next year, Howie. That's a, we're trying to balance between 2023 and the future as well. No, I don't want Howie to lose his edge of being all in. That's a very specific, I'm threading a needle here to make a point. But I, if I read it three to, once I read it three times in the past 24 hours, the Eagles won't be signing free agents that they would lose compensatory. The Eagles are banking on those compensatory draft picks next year. Next year, the Eagles going to have all of compensatory draft picks right now. I don't care a whole hell of a lot about 2024 compensatory draft picks. I'm more worried about the 2023 Eagles and going back to the Super Bowl. And if you got to bend a little bit to be able to get the best player to replace someone that you're potentially losing who helped you make the Super Bowl this year, then you got to be open-minded. That's the point I'm trying to make.
4: Well, Jody, I I I hear you, and and that's where the savvy part of it comes in. But we're we, you know to use that example. I mean, you know, Draymond Jones is 25 years old, we talk about it all the time with Jalen Hurts. He's not taking four million less dollars to come here, so that kind of stuff takes care of itself. Yeah, it, it that that's where the savvy part comes into it. If Howie's got a player who's going to get 16 million somewhere else, and he says I want to play for the Eagles. He might be from Philadelphia. He might be Hassan Reddick, Whatever. Yeah, he'll do it. He's not a dumb guy. That's where the savvy part is. But that kind of stuff's not going to happen with a twenty-five-year-old. We talk about it all the time with Eagles fans talking Jalen Hurts. No, he's not taking a cost-effective deal. This is his first opportunity to make money, and he's going to go
3: out rightfully so and make money. Right. So that kind There's, of stuff. And let care me of let itself. me question Howie Roseman's savviness. And you and I are both Howie Roseman fans. We're well on record, Howie Roseman Appreciation Society here on Birds Three Sixty Five. We both think he yeah, well-deserved Executive of the Year, and uh, we congratulate. I haven't got for my it.
4: apologies for that one, by the way, Jody.
3: Well, I you, used to get killed for mine. My... Don't don't hold your breath on <laughs> that. Neither neither one of us are going to get that. Chuck Clark got traded yesterday. Chuck Clark was a guy whose name we bandied about here before CJ Gardner Johnson came to town, starting safety for the Ravens. They went out and signed Marcus Williams, who, as John likes to remind us, the Eagles are very interested in. And if the Ravens hadn't gone over the top, they probably would have gotten him. They didn't, but that's okay. Uh, They draft Kyle Hamilton, who had a really good first year as a rookie. So they ended up trading Chuck Clark yesterday, which again, coming up to the first the the team year, the league year is probably a motivating factor. And he got traded to the Jets and all he had to give up was a seventh round pick. Now I was surprised because I thought that when we talked about with Chuck Clark last year, and again, he's a year older now in the last year of his contract, different situation making a trade a year later, but he did not play badly for the Raiders last year. He was just Ravens last year. He's just their third best safety. They've got two guys that are better than him. But doesn't mean he's like the uh sixty-fifth best safety in the NFL. I guarantee you he's higher than that. He just is on a team that has two safeties that are better. If you think there's a chance to lose Chauncey Gardner Johnson, if you're Howie Roseman with two seventh round picks, would the Eagles have been well advised to trade for Chuck Clark yesterday?
4: Yeah, I remember talking about this. I just don't think he's a fit for what they do defensively. Um, you know, he's more of a, 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 a movement, you know, I don't want to call him a box safety, but, you know, he plays all over the place. He's more of the big, you know, more of the Malcolm Jenkins type. Not that good, but more of that type of safety. And that's what not what the Eagles were looking for. And that ended up, when we talked about it last year, that's what I said, and that was ended up being correct. Marcus Epps coverage safety, Chauncey cornerback coverage safety you know that's the defense they played now they're going to change that defense i don't think they are i don't think they're going to change the philosophy so they're still going to be on the market for coverage safeties that's going to be more important to them you know clark as he you know he played five uh, – you know, he, he played a lot of snaps. By the way, you know, you you asked me to look up what he was. He was 46th of 88. So, you know, basically in a hat, and, you know. Middle of the road. Middling safety. Yeah. And he was – you know who number one was? Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. Number one oh, yeah. in the entire – That's NFL. one
3: that JM and JM definitely yeah. agreed on. We yeah. both loved him coming into the draft.
4: Yeah. But, you know, when you look at his numbers. So, he played well over 1,000 snaps. Play 531 at safety, 331 in the box, 180 as a slot, 77 lined up on the defensive line, 30 as a wide cornerback. I mean, this guy played all over the field in a Malcolm Jeff- That's not what the Eagles do. That's not, that's, that's, that's not what they do. That's not the type of player they're looking at. And that's why I said people overlook fit. We're going to talk to Ian Cummings here in a couple minutes. And that's what, you know, running back. Bit, you know, why why do you need an eye back in the, in the Philadelphia offense? You don't. That's not what they do. They're an RPO zone read offense. Bit um, is a big thing, and and Chuck Clark is a different kind of safety. If Jim Schwartz was still here, I'd say yeah, that makes some sense. But that's not what they do defensively, and it's you know I don't think they're going away from that in the shift from Jonathan Gannon to Sean DeSai. Right, but here's
3: my read on on the player. You're right in that in the Ravens defense, he was asked to do other things, and his flexibility made him capable of doing those things, and that's why he played as much as he did. But I think he's just a good enough player that he could fit into the Eagles' scheme, that if the Eagles took him on, it wouldn't be oh, my God, his his only virtue is flexibility and that he can do a lot of different things. No, I think he could do what the Eagles need him to do in the Eagles scheme. I think he's that talented a player. And if uh, they, they're starting Reed Blankenship and oh, I think they'll probably draft another safety this year. I don't know even though. I think can...
4: they're going to get Marcus back. I I think there's a good chance they get Marcus. Back. I think they're going to lose CJ and get Marcus back. Yeah. Um, and that's what they want. And right or wrong, that's what they want. They want coverage safeties. It's like Harrison Smith's probably going to get cut over the weekend. You know, that's a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame, a big-name guy. Um, you know, he's not a fit. Not a fit. Wasn't a fit in that that defense out there. Not a fit in this defense here. I don't think Chuck Clark's a fit for this defense. Now, Yeah, I think you want to say change the defense,
3: um, I'm not. No, 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 no. Here's, here's, yeah, here's where the, you and I separate. I think he can play an Eagle defense. Be- what is, what of his game tells you he couldn't play an Eagle defense? He,
4: he's a, he's a bit, his, the strength of his game is not coverage. Uh, the strength of his game. He's a big safety. He's a physical guy physical in the, in the modern NFL. Um you know, he's here. So I, I mentioned is
3: Reed Blankenship's strength coverage.
4: Yeah. Reed's a post safety. That's what people don't know for whatever reason. Um, he, that's what he played at middle Tennessee. That's what he played last year with the Eagles. Um, and I think they're probably a little bit too comfortable <laughs> with Reed. i I'll agree with that, but no, he's not a box safety. He's not a box safety. I think people do that. Um, you know, probably because of the color of his skin, to be honest. And they think he's not a post safety, but he is. He plays center field more than that, more than anything. And, and, and that's what they want. And I'm not saying they're going to hand the job to Reed Blankenship because they have to be realistic. But I mentioned, you know, bottom 20 in coverage, not his strength. So when I talk about the PFF rankings, about half, you know, mid-range safety he's bottom third in coverage that's the weakness to his game and that's not what the eagles want
3: i i need to see reed blankenship have a full year as a star he dropped in played a couple of games well, third, i'm not saying I, I, need to, I need i need to see with my own two eyes that he's a i good would not
4: be savior. comfortable saying reed blankenship is my starting safety i think right, you got to bring he played
3: where, where did Reed blankenship play college again Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee State. I'm not going to judge Reed Blankenship's coverage ability in the NFL because of what he did at uh, Middle Tennessee State. Hey, you know who I, else played it? I need, to, it? You, you I need know? to see some of that with hey, my own Jody, eyes in you know the who NFL else played, before you, I make that determination. You know who else played at Middle Tennessee State? It's been a bit of a safety university, I'll give you yes. that.
4: Kevin Bayard.
3: Bayard is a damn good player, but, uh, again, I'm reserving judgment on the coverage abilities of Breed Blankenship off the small look that we got last year. Uh, That's all I'm going to say. All right, we're working on getting in contact with uh, Ian Cummings. Apparently he hasn't gotten the link to be able to join us, so we're doing uh, work behind the scenes to make sure he does get the link. We're going to talk some draft with Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network, hopefully next here on Birds 365.
7: Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event we all know that taxes are just part
8: of life it's true during our working years but also in retirement but what you might not know is up to 85 percent of your social security benefits might be taxed our team at thrive financial has helped retire thousands of people across the delaware valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask including how their social security benefits might be taxed it's time to be proactive on taxes get your thrive retirement tax
9: playbook today Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With Action News and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action News and AccuWeather. The team you trust.
3: You're streaming on in on Birds 365, Mac and Mac, with Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network, one of their draft analysts, one of the best that uh, we had the chance to get to know last year leading up to the draft, which means he's got to know we're going to be asking a couple more times between now and April for him to jump in with us. Ian, thanks much for uh, hopping aboard. How'd it go in Indy for you?
11: Yeah, so I actually wasn't in Indy personally, but covering it remotely was fun, man. I mean, every year the NFL Combine provides a lot of interesting nuggets and, you know, new revelations for prospects. And, of course, I mean, all the testing, you know, some crazy performances. Anthony Richardson, obviously the headliner there, but at every position you've had risers that were you know coming off the board. And I know PFN had NFL guys down there talking to, you know, executives, at the podium. So, so much information to sift through, man. But that's what we signed up for in draft season. So it's a fun time.
4: Yeah, it's Ian season. Good to see you, buddy. Already looking
11: at difficulties again. I remember last year. I think we had some as well. So I don't, I don't know what it is, but hey, we got it. We got it going, so we're good. All
4: right. Good to see you. Uh, i I want to start at at cornerback because I want to start with the Eagles. A lot of people have focused on corner with them at number ten overall, and they haven't taken a corner in the in the first round for. Two decades now, but you know, they wanted to take a corner a couple of years ago. They were really excited about JC Horn, really excited about uh, Patrick Sertan. Didn't work out for him, they ended up trading up getting Devonte Smith. So, what I, I want to do is, you know, when you look at the the top corners in this draft, how did they compare to players like Horn and, and Patrick Sertan? Are they that good? Are they at that level? Because if the Eagles don't have that type of prospect, they're probably going to look in a different
11: direction. Yeah, I think there are two guys that you could consider at number 10. I I won't say that there's a guy who's in the tier of Horn or Sertan because I think those guys were really a cut above. I mean, those guys were true blue chip corner prospects. And we've seen both of them pan out as phenomenal starters in the NFL. But there are two guys I'll throw out there. One is Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. The other is Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. I think those are the guys who you're, if you're thinking at corner of a 10, those are the guys that you would consider. Christian Gonzalez is about as close to you, as you'll get to Patrick Surtain in this class. I mean, the size, speed, athleticism that he possesses is really impressive. I mean, he tested extremely well at the NFL combine, which you watch the tape, it's no surprise to anybody. He's got length, he's got really good fluidity, really good, you know, stride quickness and explosiveness out of his brakes. Uh, but some of the transitions that he makes, maintaining his strides in space and blanketing receivers, the guy just moves differently. I mean, it's it's rare for a guy to be so sudden and fluid at his size. And then at the same time, he's got great zone awareness. He's got great ball skills uh, and he can he's adaptable in zone. That's one thing that I really like about him. There was a play. I can't remember who it was against, but he was covering a drag route, you know, moving to the right side of the field. And he saw a receiver streaking upside on the boundary and he he kind of peeled off his route. Turned up field and made an adjustment in stride and picked off the pass. That's what you're getting with him. I think a really, really strong combination of mental acuity and athletic gifts. And that the very strong combo. I don't think he's as physical as a horn or certain, but definitely the size speed is there. And then Devin Witherspoon, he is physical, man. I mean, you watch him play and run support, he lays the wood downhill, he's very chippy and aggressive in coverage. He'll blanket guys, he'll stay in their grill. But he's a very high-energy athlete, too. He doesn't quite have the size and length that Gonzalez has. But with Witherspoon, you're still getting that speed, that explosiveness, and that ability to disrupt the catch points. So, you know, I think both those guys provide something, you know, that you want at 10. I don't think either one is at that caliber of prospect that Sertan or Horn was. And then another factor to consider is that this cornerback class is extremely deep to the point where, you know, if you think you have a bigger need at 10, maybe you pass up corner and take a few guys later on because there is depth to capitalize on.
3: All right. It is Ian's season. It is mock season. Everybody's putting up mocks, adjusting mocks, which is only fair. You put a mock out two months before the draft, you sure as hell can change it between now and uh, the week thereof. But I'm always interested in just your overall ranking of players, not trying to fix needs with teams and the like. Uh, Do you have a top 25, top 50, top 100 ranking as of right now, Ian?
11: Yeah, I do. It's always in flux. It's always fluctuating. I think, you know, the most important part of the draft cycle at this point is reevaluation, right? You know, Mm -hmm. at this point, you've done most of the groundwork from a tape perspective, but you never want to be too boxed into an outcome, right? So I think that's part of it. I do have a February big board. I'll try and pull it up here while we're talking. But uh, it's it's always open to reevaluation. That's that's what I'll say. About All right. That.
3: Well, hopefully you get it pulled up because there's one particular play I want to ask you about because yeah. uh, people are talking about him here in Philadelphia, and I just this is where the everything else in the draft comes into play, like team's history and need. Where is Bijan Robinson rank in your just straight evaluation talent level of those who are eligible for draft this year?
11: I had a feeling you were gonna ask about Bijan. I was like, he's probably gonna ask about Bijan. Uh he's actually yeah, very interesting. Right. Yeah, he's my uh second overall player. Uh, second yeah, okay. no, here's that's the thing. High. Here's the thing. My board does not account for positional value. Right. right? That's you know, why I asked it. That's up to the that's up to the teams and the coaches, you know, to discern, you know, how high do we are we willing to take a, a guy like a running back, right? You know, so that's that's the thing though. You know, that's why I try to not account for positional value, is because I don't want like I want you to know how good Bijan is. So if right. you are willing to take him there, like, yeah, you know, I'll say that that's part of, that's a reasonable outcome for you. I think ultimately, you know, for a team like the Eagles, they do have some needs that they're going to have to address. They got roster turnover coming at positions like edge and defensive tackle and corner that are more important in, in, intrinsically than running back. But, you know, you you get to number 10 overall and, you know, you want to know if this guy is talented enough to at least consider. And I think Bijan is talented enough to at least consider there. Do you want to take him there? That's up to you. But, you know, looking at, you know, just his profile as a a runner, man. I mean, 5'11", 215, he's got good athleticism. He showed that at the NFL Combine. And I think that was – it wasn't even a question mark for him. It was more of, you know, we're not sure he's elite here. But then he proved he was at the NFL Combine because you look at the tape and he's so so good at everything else. I mean, the vision, the creative instincts, the ability to offset defenders and manipulate space at his size is uncanny. I mean, you don't see that every day. And then once he's in once he's at the second level, he finishes with physicality, he'll bounce off tackles and stay on his feet. He's a phenomenal receiving threat. You know, there really there's not a ton that there aren't many holes that you can poke in his game. And that's what's so exciting let, about
3: him. Let me just do a quick follow up, then Johnny jumps in. Mm-hmm. Um Give me your top three or four running backs in order. Bijan, number one. How big is drop-off to two, to three, to four?
11: Yeah, the drop-off, Bijan is obviously the number one guy. At number two, I've got Jameer Gibbs at 16th overall, so he's my next guy up. Uh, Now, he's more more of a niche guy. You know, he's not going to be the workhorse like Bijan, but in the modern NFL where versatile weapons are all the rage, he definitely has a fit. And then going down further, I don't think I have the next. The next running backs for me are outside the top 40. Uh, And I think RB3 is Tank Bigsby. And right after him is Kendra Miller from TCU. Uh, You're
3: you're underrating Zach Charbonneau. I'll tell you right now, Cummings, he's going to be a stud back in the NFL
11: he's physical i think he's in my top 100 I gotta, yeah. I gotta scroll down here but he's dude that's the thing about this running back class it's another position group that's very deep again so if you're yeah. not comfortable taking a running back attempt overall don't worry about it because there's dudes down the
4: line yeah i, I was talking to daniel jeremiah on his conference call and he had 13 backs with at least third round grades so i don't know where you are but you know, we just saw the Kansas City Chiefs win a Super Bowl with a seventh-round rookie running back being sort of the bell cow. Um, you're, you know, the, I gave you the comparison with the cornerbacks. There was one running back, uh, the Eagles, we, we all know their history, so I'm going to have you put on the Howie Roseman hat. They considered one running back in my time covering this team in the first round, and that was Christian McCaffrey way back in 2017. And they did that because of his receiving skills, more than his running skills. Not that he's not a great running back. You just mentioned Bijan. I know this is probably unfair. He's a great receiver. Not that good, is he? He's not Christian McCaffrey good as a receiver.
11: Yeah, I think... With a receiving threat, there's a lot of different elements to take into account. You know, uh, it's it's a tiered evaluation, right? Like, yeah. you want to know if they can run routes out of the backfield. You want to know if they can split out wide, you know, in motion a little bit, because that gives your offense another element of, of dynamic, you know, dimensions that they can add to it. And then you want to know when the ball comes his way, can he actually adjust? Can he catch it beyond his frame? Is he a body catcher? Does he have good hand technique? You know, those are all things that you consider. I'll say for Bijan. I do think he's a pretty good receiving threat. I think Christian McCaffrey is a very high bar to clear because you look at, you know, he was really kind of the standard coming out. I don't yeah. think Yijon is quite that good when it comes to, you know, maybe running routes, maybe he doesn't have quite as expansive of a route tree. But you watch him, you know, move up field in a seam, right? You know, the ball comes his way, it's overthrown. He can rise vertically and adjust for it. I mean, he's a very natural pass catcher when the ball's in the air. And I think that's something that, you know, it's very translatable. Wherever you get him targets, he can make the plays on the ball. So I won't say he's at McCaffrey's level, but I will say he's, he's, you know, noticeably better than your average running back
3: there. Even though it probably has no effect on the Eagles, I'm just intrigued to know. Which of the two defensive studs did you have, number one, if you had B. John Robinson, number two? Was it Will Anderson or was it Jalen Carter?
11: Yeah, man. So that's a tough one, again, because with Jalen Carter, you know, at the NFL Combine, another big development was, you know, the investigation uh, into his involvement in the crash uh, that killed a Georgia staffer and a teammate, right? So I think... That's going to be a complicating factor for him. You know, I think every team is going to come to their own conclusion on that and do their own study and kind of figure out, you know, what does this say about Jalen Carter and are we still willing to take the risk on him, right? You know, it, it's going to be interesting, right? With that hanging over him, I would be more inclined to have Will Anderson number one overall because you don't have that issue off the field. Uh, but I do think Jalen Carter is still going to be in the top 10 conversation for a lot of teams. So I've, I've, I've flip-flopped on them all the cycle, you know, on the field, really. They're both very, very good players.
4: Um, Ian, I was texting, uh, with a former NFL exec and he gave me six to eight when he was talking about true top tier blue chip players at the top of this draft. Do you think that's low? Do you think that's high? Number one and number two, are any of that six to eight quarterbacks? We know they're going to go, but do they belong in that category?
11: Yeah, that's the kicker, man. I mean, you know that no matter what the positional value of the quarterback is going to trump everything else, right? And we see that every year. Yeah. I- well, until last year, where one was taken in the first round, nobody else was taken in the
3: third round. So every once in a while, the NFL does uh, stick its head up and go, yeah, sorry, not this year. No <laughs> matter how much we, we emphasize quarterback play, if you're just not good enough, you're not good enough.
11: Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. I think last year was an anomaly in that respect because, you know, we were – and there was a part of that of that last year cycle where we're thinking like, oh, the traits are going to bring these guys up to the top anyway. Right. We thought anyway. And it wasn't the case. So you're absolutely right. You know, the NFL surprises you time and time again this year. It is different because you have CJ Stroud, who's a very good prospect. You have Bryce Young, who size notwithstanding is a very good prospect. It's going to be interesting how they view that. You got Anthony Richardson, who, you know, is pretty raw you know, on the field. You know, people are going to be very polarized on him, but the tools are out of this world. And all it takes is one team to fall in love with that. Same with Will Levis. Right. So I don't think any of those quarterbacks are blue chip prospects but I do think there's a chance that they can become very good franchise quarterbacks and that's ultimately what it takes for them to you know take a risk on them as for your you know John your previous question you know how many blue chip prospects are there I'd say six to eight is a fair figure I'd say it's a little high for me personally actually I don't think there's a ton of blue chip talent in this class I look at Will Anderson Jalen Carter B. John Robinson and maybe Christian Gonzalez right but after that it kind of falls off. Now there's still a ton of very good players, but blue chip, you know, I think we need to, you know, reemphasize just how, how high of a bar that is clear. You're talking about an impact player on day one, a guy who's going to transform your team. You know, there's a lot of players who could become that in one to two years, but I think day one guys, you know, it's a little bit thinner in this class. That's not a bad thing, right? You know, I think the depth is stronger and maybe teams are going to look at that and say, we should trade back, acquire more capital and kind of capitalize on the depth in that 20 to 75 range but it's going to be a conversation to have because it's not quite as deep at the top as we've seen.
3: So if you think that highly of Gonzalez, you don't think he'll be there at 10 when the Eagles pick.
11: It depends, right? You know, again, as, an, as a draft analyst, I think the most important thing is to say, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. So, you know, we could, it'll maybe he falls off the board. You know, there's a few teams in the top 10 who maybe consider him, but they also need quarterbacks, a lot of them. So, you know, it ultimately depends on, you know, what your value proposition is. I think there's a good chance that he's there at 10. You know, I, I can't speak. And maybe he's there at 10 and they pass on him, right? You know, I'm high on him, but maybe they have some more concerns. So the variables that, that come into this are always so it's so expansive and you have to take them all into account. But I think there's a chance if I had to guess probably goes within the eight to 15 range. I'd say, I mean, maybe 16, I think the commanders are at 16. They could consider taking him. So he's a, fun, he's a fun prospect. And for me, he's very high, but you know, every team is different.
4: Edge rushers. I want to go edge rushers with you because that's something the Eagles value as well in, and that could be in a conversation always with this team. I, you know, the top 30 visits are starting to leak out. The Eagles, the first three were offensive or defensive linemen. It's no surprise. That's where this team always seems to go to fall to. So if you're talking about guys at 10, so you know, a, a, a Will Anderson's not going to be there. Um, who's Who would be in that equation from mm-hmm. the edge rushers?
11: So for the edge rushers, I think you're looking at three guys. And they're all pretty similar stylistically, which is interesting. Um, But I think Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech is one that's been mocked there a lot. I think um, Miles Murphy from Clemson is one that's been in that conversation. And another that I'll throw in is Iowa's Lucas Van Ness. Uh, Van Ness is a little bit raw on the hand usage side, but he's honestly one of my favorite of that group because, you know, you look at the athleticism and the power that he has. They're they're all power oriented guys, which is pretty interesting. I think Van Ness measured in at like 6'5", over 260, around 265. 34 inch arms. So he, you know, when he gets his hands inside your chest, he can drive you back pretty easy. Tyree Wilson, six foot six, around 270, right? Almost 36 inch arms. So these guys are built to drive tackles back. That's what they do, right? And then in run defense, hold the line, you know, kind of hold their ground and run support. So that's what they can do. And I think all of them provide that enforcer element. They're all a little bit different within that mold. I think Tyree Wilson is the most violent rusher. You know, the heavy hands, the length that he possesses. He's a crazy, you know, he's got a hot motor down the field. Miles Murphy, I think, has the best hands out of that group to this point. He can still improve, but he has shown he can multitask around the edge and stack counters. And then Lucas Van Ness, to me, why I'm so excited about him is that if you're a taller guy, usually sometimes you struggle to acquire leverage, load your hips, and, you know, get under your opponent's pads. I think he's the most natural when it comes to doing that, and that helps you apply your length and explosiveness, you know, the most efficiently, you know. So I'm, I'm a big fan of all those guys. I think they'd all bear consideration there. You know, they're all those power-oriented guys with the tools to mold. Um, there are a few others, but I think ultimately, you know, once you get past that group, you're thinking maybe we should trade down or wait for them at 30.
3: All right, speaking of trading down and giving Harry Roseman some wiggle room, let's say top half of the draft. So the Eagles are right now at 10. They would trade down but not drop out of the first half, so uh, somewhere between 10 and 16. Is there a safety that merits that kind of consideration, a top 16 value player at the safety position? Because both Eagle safeties are free agents this year. We're assuming they're bringing at least one back, But what happens if they both find greener pastures elsewhere? I know how he doesn't like to draft for need. But if you tell me he's a top 16 value, then you're not drafting for need. You're drafting for uh, value. Is there a safety in this year's draft? If I remember correctly, all three of us kind of agreed. We love Kyle Hamilton in
11: last year's draft.
3: Is there a guy like that in this year's draft?
11: There's not a guy like Kyle Hamilton, unfortunately, you know, I just think all, totally. yeah, just straight up, you know, there's not a guy like, I mean, last year's safety class was very strong. I mean, you had, I had three guys in my top 10 with Kyle Hamilton, Lewis seen from Georgia, who unfortunately had that season ending injury with the Vikings. And then Daxton Hill, who's going to be the, the heir apparent to Jesse Bates in Cincinnati, right? So last year's class at safety was un- abnormally strong. And I think what we're seeing this year is kind of swinging the other way, you know, not quite. But there is one guy I really like, Brian Branch from Alabama. He didn't test quite as well as we expected him to. But I think the functional athleticism on tape is very strong for him. The only question is, where are you going to fit him, right? Because he played in the slot a lot at Alabama. And the Eagles do have Vontae Maddox. You know, we only played nine games this past year. But, you know, if he's coming back into that role, then maybe Brian Branch is a little redundant. Right. So I think, you know, that's going to be the conversation to have. He can play safety if you want him to. He can drop back into too high, you know, play in zones and kind of manage space on the back end. He's a phenomenal playmaker when the ball comes his way. He's physical. He plays up to his competition. He's fluid, you know, very, very free as an athlete in short ranges. So I'm a big fan of Brian Branch and what he has to offer. You know, he's, you know, one of those top defensive backs for me. But to consider him a 10 for the Eagles, who might not have a you know, confined role for him, you know i would well, no,
3: the, the way you're describing him sounds like yeah, an Eagle safety exactly to me. exactly right yeah johnny mac exactly tells me if wants. you can't cover you can't play safety for the eagles
11: no. yeah yeah i man, mean that's he, he team, man yeah. he's the thing with with brian branch is that you know you need to know where you're gonna play him that's the thing you know again he played the slot a lot of alabama he can man up guy he can man up right he can do it you know he's got great off man technique and he's got great instincts and coverage you know it's just a matter of you know how high you are on the athleticism too because i think the short area athleticism is, is really good personally you know i think whenever you see a combine number that you know you're not sure you go and cross check the tape you know because combine measurements are very good but uh, there are some guys who maybe play better on tape than they test or test better than they play right so you ha- you need to look at how it translates brian branch to me is a better playing athlete than he tested and i think but i think the long speed is a little bit of a concern too so Again, it, it's a lot, of, a lot of factors to take into account. But for the Eagles especially, you know, there are some safeties who performed well at the Combine. Daniel Scott from California is one. Jason Taylor, uh, the second from Oklahoma State, is another. So maybe guys that they consider on late day th- two or day three who could go on to become very good players. We know they coached up Marcus Epps very well, so maybe that's the route that they take. Uh,
4: at IC underscore draft. I think you changed that from the last time. Yeah,
11: I, I, rebranded I a little bit. Nice. Yeah, uh,
4: follow Ian on Twitter, ProFootballNetwork.com. You mentioned measurables. I want I want to talk – I'll end it with the most interesting potential top 10 uh, – top uh, first-round prospect to me is uh, Kalijah Kansi, the kid from Pitt, just because, you know, he's so small. But the league is changing as a whole. He's so explosive. There's the obvious – comps with Aaron Donald because he's a pit guy. I don't want to go that route. I think it's unfair for anybody to compare anybody to Aaron Donald. Where do you have uh Kaleja
11: Yeah. So he's in my top 50 for sure. He's up there. You know, I think um, he's another one kind of like branch. You need to know what role you're going to use him for, right? Because he can't do everything. And that's the issue with him. I overestimated his length a little bit. I thought he was going to measure in maybe close to 32. He ended up being under 31 Uh, But so the size is definitely, here's the thing, like he was around six foot 270, I think, you know, 275. And that is very small, a defensive tackle. If you have good proportional length to counteract that, you know, that helps a little bit, but he doesn't have that either. So, you know, it's one of those things where offensive linemen, they can get your hands on you easier. And once they do, you don't have as much mass, so they can move you more easily. And so for Kolajikansi, that's going to be something that he's going to work against at the next level very often. And that kind of complicates his his role, especially in run defense. You saw in run defense, you know, if you're asking him to penetrate and deconstruct blocks, you know, he can do that. But if you want him to hold his ground and kind of prevent displacement, he's not a guy who's going to be able to do that on the interior, right? Now, I do think you know, you mentioned the athleticism. He's extremely athletic and not just athletic, I think flexible, too. You know, there were, there were a lot of reps, pass rushing reps that pit where he used ankle flexion to pry past the block, you know, you know, invade those tight spaces. And he's got really, really good flexibility as a defensive tackle enough where I think, you know, along with his explosiveness and short area twitch, you know, he's a, an extremely high energy rusher as well. You know, I think you could shade him to five tech on some reps, you know, maybe on run defense reps, you know, shade him to five tech where he has the size to hold up a little bit better. You know, for Kalaja Kansi with a guy as unique as him, I don't want to confine him to defensive tackle because maybe you can move him outside in certain situations and allow him to kind of kind of, you know, play to his strengths a little bit better out there. But on, on pass rushing reps, for sure, you know, keep him at three tech or four eye and let him work one on one against guys. You know, you want to have a nose tackle alongside him, which Jordan Davis projects pretty well into that role, you know, eat up blocks and allow college. You can't see one-on-one opportunities. I do think there is a role for him, but I think you need to be flexible because he's so unique and that's going to be the issue for some teams. Uh, You know, at at a certain point, if you're willing to take him, you know, if you have a, a vision for him like that, you know, move him around a little bit, you could be successful, but it's one of those things where you've got to know what you're doing, because if you just throw him out there at three tech, you know, on every rep, it's going to be up and down for sure. All
3: right. Last one for me, Ian and I'll let you do a little brain here. Um, was there a guy this year that you watched on film and he looked good to you? All right, but the tackles weren't there. The interceptions weren't there for the D back. Uh, it wasn't part of a great offensive line, whatever. But you saw something and you liked what you saw and it just didn't show on, on the stats, on the analytics this year. And he got invited to Indy and he did something at the combine that you said, yes, yeah, see, that's what I saw. That uh, he put up a time, he did the shuttle, whatever it was, but it confirmed your thought that, all right, doesn't look like he should be a day two pick or a day three pick or an undrafted, but a guy who you saw at Indy and you said, that's what I saw on tape.
11: You know, I I want to preface by saying it's a slippery slope. I don't want to get too I don't want to get too caught up in this because you know for every guy like that, there's another where it's like, oh, I didn't see that. So let me look back. So, you know, it's always a a fun process to go through, but I'll I'll throw out a few names because there are a few guys that I really like that really showed out. One is a guy that I liked this past summer. You know, he caught my eye very early. Uh, Tennessee offensive tackle Darnell Wright. You know, he played Will Anderson last year. And there was a rep in run defense where he, he
3: was good at the senior ball. Yeah, I was he, impressed by him at the senior ball.
11: Yeah, he was very good at the senior ball. He's one of those guys where, you know, coming into the season, you know, there was some day two hype for him. You know, I was I was really, you know, right away. I was like, I think this guy's got early round potential for sure. And, you know, I, well, he's a five star recruit out of high school. So it's not groundbreaking. Right. But it was really good to see him test well athletically because i think that was the question that some people had about him being as big as he is six foot five three thirty three can he move He can move. You know, I think on tape, he's got really good matching footwork and short area athleticism. Corrective athleticism is what I like to use the term for. But as an offensive tackle against edge rushers, that's what you need. Right. And he's got that. And then at six foot five, three thirty three, thirty four inch arms almost. He can really once he gets his hands on you, it's over. There was a rep against Will Anderson last year. Everyone was really excited about his showing against Anderson this year. But last year he had a rep where he had one arm extended and he torqued him and folded Anderson basically into submission on a run. On a run rep, so he was a fun player. Another Tennessee guy, Cedric Tillman. For me, I actually haven't rated over Jalen Hyatt in my wide receiver rankings. Um, I'm a big fan of what he has to offer. An injury sidelined him for most of the past season, but at six foot five, around two fifty or six foot three, around two fifteen pounds. I think he had a thirty-seven inch vertical, thirty-seven or thirty-eight. Uh, he had a four-five-four four 40 yard dash. So explosive, you know, enough deep speed for his size. And, you know, you watch him on tape. He's a very nuanced route runner. He's phenomenal at the catch point. I think Cedric Tillman's going to be a guy who really surprises people with how productive he is right out the bat, because he's a great wide receiver. And then one more Texas defensive tackle, Moro Ajomo. Uh, this was a guy I saw live at the Shrine Bowl and he was phenomenal at the Shrine Bowl, but he's one of my favorite defensive tackles in the class because of his player type. You look at him, you know 6 foot 3 290 so a little light for defensive tackle but he's got 34 and a half inch arms so that's phenomenal proportional length and then he had a, i think a 50 something 40 yard dash 33 inch vertical so he's explosive he is very quick off the line and once he fully extends he can drive you back so suddenly uh, he's a fun player he's a top 75 prospect for me and you know he's been a day 3 guy for a, a large part of the cycle but i would i would take him on day 2 and i think he's going to be a very good pro
3: and my bad for not reaching out before to get the uh, link uh, to you sooner than we did. You made up for it by giving us all this great information. Ran a little long on the show, but that's okay. We appreciate your coming on and doing as much for you as you did. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking to you several times between now and the draft, if
11: that's okay. Hey, I'm always down for it, Jody. You know I am. That is Ian Cummings
3: from ProFootballNetwork.com, their draft analyst, outstanding uh insight from him today Yeah, you know, we just kind of uh fell in him did you find any last year i think you did yeah right?
4: yeah yeah i'm yeah, taking credit for that as, as good but as now he was. You, you oh you, i
3: glommed on to him as soon as we had him on it. the show yeah. and i saw how yeah. good he was i said yeah. oh man i need to get this guy out other shows that i do yeah. he's not good
4: well, i don't blame you yeah he's tremendous he is he is really good because there's one thing he knows all the information but he can deliver it in a you know, for the pants in a in an interesting way. So he does a tremendous job.
3: And the offensive lineman from Tennessee, I already uh, had uh, scouted out for myself. Uh, but that Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, injured all year, um, could be an under the radar type guy. That's one that Eagle fans should write down because you know the Eagles aren't taking a wide receiver high. But if Tillman is an early day three guy because of injury issues. We need to upgrade from Quez Watkins at the number three wide receiver position. Maybe Cedric Tillman, wide receiver from Tennessee is the name. You want to keep your eye on. All right. McMone and McDonald coming back to put a bow on the show. Stay right there.
5: Go to get your game on, go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
1: At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee
6: Hockey a call. Hi, everybody. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at Dry Tech. At Dry Tech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs, and then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
7: Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. We all know that taxes are just part of life.
8: It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their social security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook
9: today. Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With Action News and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action News and AccuWeather. The team you trust.
3: Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac here with you. Uh, Running a little late because we got to Ian late. And then we we're going to cut, not going to cut Ian short because his info was just too good. So we wanted to keep him on a specific amount of time. So thank you very much for uh, hanging with us. It should be a fun weekend. Johnny, uh, Johnny Mac prediction time. By the time we return Monday morning, will we know, will we know? Not Howie Roseman know. Will John McMullen, Jody McDonald, and Eagle Nation know? If Jason Kelsey is playing again for the Eagles this
4: year, yeah, I, I've been saying it. I can't change now, Jody. I'm, I'm, we're at the finish line, but I think he's going to alert the Eagles. So I think uh, we'll we'll know. Well, the
3: Eagles alert us. That's that's the question.
4: Yeah, most likely. So okay, um, I'm going to still say yes.
3: By Monday, um, we we have an answer, and you're heavily leaning toward yes. He's playing again.
4: Well, I've said it, you know, I'm, I'm starting to waver, but I'm not going to go away. Uh, I find it hard to believe he's going to put the Eagles in that position. So ultimately um, I think they're going to get an answer. They might already have that answer. Um, but yeah, I think we'll figure it out. And th- there's going to be a lot of stuff. Adam Thielen uh, cut uh, on the market. Um Oh, so Chuck the Eagles Fletcher could sign fired. him because they wouldn't get have a to work. Flyers. Jeez, Chuck Fletcher a fired. Make fix. the Flyers fans Ooh,
3: that's good.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah, so big name, another big name, but he's going to cost too much money. So I'm going to go hashtag no. It's hashtag no season for all the Eagles fans who recognize the big names. Hashtag right. no.
3: We'll try and get a big name guest for you on Monday too. But we'll also have some Eagle guys on because – yeah, free agency kicks in and the Eagles are a big player. They might be a big loser, but that still makes them a big player. Whole bunch of Eagle players will be talked a lot around the league, and we'll we'll be here to talk about it with you on Birds 365 in two and two days, that is.
2: You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs>